0: Thanks for joining us again tonight. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo coming to you from Faith Fellowship Church. But tonight I'm coming to you from my home in Taylorsville. I don't know what kind of weather you guys have been having where you live, but we've been knocking it out of the park for the last week or two. It's been beautiful here. So we're glad you joined us tonight. We're going to continue our study that we started last week. And uh, it was on good success. And some of the things we covered last week was keys to good success was be strong and courageous, be a doer of the word, be a person of vision, and be a tither and a giver. Let's open again tonight with Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What is the then? After you meditate on the word, you'll be prosperous and successful? No, you meditate on the word so that you would observe to do it, And you become prosperous and successful from being a doer of the word, obeying the word. And then he says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. So it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's one of the reasons for being successful. The Lord your God is with you, whithersoever you go. And we started teaching on this last Wednesday night, and we learned that uh, success is closely associated to vision. And we said that successful people are usually people of vision. And we know that success is also associated with achievement, and and rightly so, because if you're going to be successful, then you have to have certain goals, and you have to be able to achieve those goals in life. But the goals themselves is not the vision. Vision is what gets you to the goals. So God created everything with a purpose. And we need to understand this because from the beginning of time, he created everything with a purpose. The first thing he created was the heavens and, the, and then the earth and then man upon the earth. So the heavens were created with the purpose of ministering to the earth. I mean, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons, the tides, the rain that falls from heaven, all with the sole purpose of ministering and sustaining the earth. And then he created the earth with all of its resources, animals, food, energy, building materials, uh, uh, everything else that man would need to be successful on the earth and be sustained upon the earth. He uh, created the earth for that man. And then he created his most prized possession, which was his man. And uh, man's purpose is to minister uh, and worship and serve God. So everything has a purpose. The heavens have a purpose to minister to the earth. The earth has a purpose to minister to man and provide all of his needs. And then man has a purpose of ministering and worshiping God because God wants a family. And he wants it to come from his man. So everything was created with a purpose. God told the prophet Jeremiah. He said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. So when does, you know, when does life start? I don't know, even before the womb, according to this, because he said, before I even formed you in the belly, he said, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordain you a prophet unto the nations. This is all in the womb. I mean, he did it all in the womb. And and so your mother may have actually birthed you or physically birthed you into the earth. But it was God that formed you and sanctified you and created you with purpose in your mother's womb. He formed you with a purpose. He ordained you a prophet unto the nations or a voice to the nations. And we know that all things work together for good, according to Paul in Romans 8:28. All things work according, work together for good, according to them that love God, to them who are called according to his what? Purpose. And then in Ephesians 1 and 11, it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So God has a purpose for everyone. Even Jesus came to this earth with a purpose. And what was his purpose? In 1 John 3 and 8, it says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And that is exactly what he did. So when we were created, God created us in his image and in his likeness, and he created us to be successful. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So uh, we, we looked at this last week and, and we realized that that word prosper in the Greek actually means progress or progress. So uh, the literal meaning in the Greek is that you may progress on the journey. So uh, God wants us to prosper in life. He wants us to progress in life. And uh, so prosperity is built into us. Progress is built into us. He said if we didn't provide for our families that we were worse than an infidel. So provision is also built into us. It's a part of our DNA. In order for any of this to happen, though, we must be successful in life. And so successful or, or success is also a part of our makeup. Uh, and God has never created us to be a failure. My wife always says that God don't make no junk. And he didn't make any junk when he made you. He made you with a purpose and he made you to be successful. He made you to progress in life, to move forward in life, uh, have a, uh, to progress in the journey. How I many know life is a journey? So in order for any of this to happen, we have to be successful in life and he gave us his word to guarantee our success he not only promised us success but as we read he promised us good success and we learned last week the difference between success and good success is that with good success we also have peace and joy uh, along with that happiness true happiness along with that uh being successful along with being rich and uh it's different with the world you know uh, the world considers money if you got a lot of money you're rich if you have cars you're rich if you have a big house you're rich uh, but you know those riches don't mean anything if your health is failing they don't mean anything if you don't have any peace and uh, your family is turned inside out and everybody's up against each other and that, that's no that's no fun being rich then you know God wants us to be rich and have good success and he said that he wants us to be rich and, and have no sorrow with it. So you could be rich, but if you got sorrow, that ain't God's kind of richness. And uh, when you're rich and you have a, you're rich in family life and you're rich in friends, and you're rich in respect, and uh, you're rich in all these other things, then you're successful. Then you have good success. Then you have success without sorrow, and that's worth a lot more than being having a large amount of money or a large large amount of property. So he gave us his word to guarantee our success. And uh, he told us to obey his word, do what it says. And when we do, he will be a rewarder. We must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So God rewards those that do his word. And, And I said last week, it doesn't make any difference. You could be Joe Sinner living down the street and not know anything about God, but if you do his word, if you're a giver, like he tells us to be, he says, if you give, I'll give to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. So if they're givers, God's going to give to them, whether they know where it's coming from or not, whether they realize that they're doing the word of God or not, because God is no respecter of persons and neither is his word. If you do his word, you will get rewarded. You will get blessed. So there's a version of the prosperity gospel being preached that fails to mention that being prosperous and successful involves more than faith. And they fail to mention that it also involves hard work on our part. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not coming against the prosperity gospel. I believe in the prosperity gospel, but I believe in a balanced gospel. And uh, uh, what I'm saying is that sometimes we have to work for that blessing. Sometimes we have to work to become rich. You know, in Deuteronomy 8, 18, it says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now, I want you to notice it didn't say that he will give it wealth. He said he will give you power. He will give you ability he will anoint you to get wealth for yourself, and that, that tells me that I'm going to need, need to do some things. I may have to work a little bit. I may have to get off the sofa. I may have to get me a job. I may have to uh, seek a promotion, work harder, seek some overtime, and I may have to work to get what I need. I may have to work to be successful, and, and it's not so much that, you know, uh, we've even heard people say, well, uh, you, you believe in that blab it and grab it name it and claim it gospel no i believe in doing the word of god and if the word tells me to believe in my heart and say something with my mouth then i'm going to do it i'm going to obey it because i know it's going to reward me uh also i know that it pleases god hallelujah but you know he doesn't just give us wealth he gives us power to get wealth Uh, and and there's a big difference there, you know. We're anointed to get wealth. We're enabled to get wealth. He's programmed it into us as part of our DNA, but it's not going to be given to us like we think. There is also a purpose for us getting that wealth, what he said in the latter part of that verse, was so that he may establish his covenant in the earth. Uh, He expects that wealth that you get through obeying the word, that you use at least part of it to promote the gospel in the earth. Send forth a missionary. Support a missionary. Support a church. Support a ministry that is getting people saved and getting the gospel out there. So he wants his covenant established in the earth, and it's going to take money to do that. It takes money to establish a ministry. It takes money to uh, establish a church and keep it running. It takes money to send a missionary overseas to a a place that hasn't heard the gospel yet and so he realizes that and so he wants us to be prosperous and successful so that we can support his work and we can establish his covenant or have his gospel preached in all the earth and so you know it, it behooves everybody for God to bless them and to prosper them and make them successful so the latter part of the verse, is says that he may establish his covenant. So uh, uh, the reason I'm repeating is that because I want you to understand that that is his purpose. That's the purpose that he has anointed us, enabled us, empowered us to get wealth so that we can establish his covenant in the earth. And we can't lose sight of that. That's our purpose. That's the reason he's given us wealth and, and making us successful is because he wants his gospel promoted in the earth. So if we're we're not progressing or experiencing success, it's not because we lack the talent or the power or the anointing to get it. Our problem is that we lose our vision. Our problem is that we don't get up and do the word. Our problem is that we're not willing to do what it takes to become successful and and to have a vision and to have goals and to press towards them goals until we get there. Uh, It's not going to be easy, and God never said it would be easy. But we all have the ability to gain wealth. We all have the anointing to get wealth. And we all have the ability to get wealth. Uh, So sometimes we just stop seeing what could be. And we spend most of our time just struggling to maintain what it is that we've already have or we've already achieved. And we spend too much time focusing on what we have and not enough time pushing forward to what we could have. So we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Paul says this. He said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I'm not there yet. I'm not telling you I'm there yet. I've got a ways to go. He said, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, forward to those things which are ahead. And then he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the high calling, or in the New King James, it says, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So that's his goal. He wants to be just like Jesus. He's pressing towards that goal. He's pushing forward. He's reaching forward. And and that word press means that it's not coming easy. He's not just walking that way. He's not just running that way. He's in the press. You remember the woman with the issue of blood? The Bible says that she came in the press behind Jesus saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. And and so she was having a hard time getting to Jesus. She had to press through. And I'm telling you, that was one determined woman. She wasn't going to let nobody or nothing stop her from getting to Jesus and getting what she needed. So she pressed. Paul is pressing. We have to press too. We're no different than Paul. We're no different than that woman with the issue of blood that had a need everybody that ever really wanted something from God or or wanted one of the promises fulfilled in their lives, they had to press for it. They had to push forward. They had to keep their eyes on the goal and keep moving forward. No matter what got in their way, they couldn't quit and they couldn't give up. Hallelujah. But Paul said this one thing I do, and that's kind of strong language. He said of everything else, he said, this is the one thing that I make sure I do. And so he puts certain things out of his mind, the things of his past he puts out of his mind. And not just his past sins and failures, but also his past successes, because he knows there's greater successes ahead. Well, what's he putting in his mind then? The things which are before, he said. Not what's in the past, not what's in the present. He has his mind on his vision. He has a goal set, and he's pressing towards it. And it's the things which are before, not behind, not present, but the things that are ahead of him, the things that are before him. Jesus said, he that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not even worthy of the kingdom of God. And I know them are strong words too and that's strong language, but he knows that it will be a hindrance for you to look back. He knows that you can't be going forward if you keep looking back. And he knows that the past will keep you from going into your future. And so he uses strong language. And he knows that if you keep looking back, you will wind up going back. That's what happened to Israel. They kept looking back. Oh, if we had just stayed in Egypt, at least there we had leaks and we had this and we had that. And here we are in this, he brought us out in this wilderness to die. They kept looking back and that's what kept them from going forward. So he doesn't want us looking back. And, and even if you don't look back, even if you don't go back, if you keep looking back, you're going to plow a crooked row. I'll tell you that right now. you got to keep your eyes on the goal. you got to keep going straight ahead or you're going to be going here and going there and running into things along the way. So you gotta, you got to have your mind made up. You're going forward. You're going to press forward. You ain't looking back and you ain't going back. Paul said forgetting those things which are behind. Not only just leaving them behind, but forgetting them things that are behind. You know, my past comes up and haunts me at times. And and there's things that, you know, the devil will bring up to me that I've been forgiven for and got under the blood. And, And he'll try to get me to start regretting those things. I say, no, sir, I'm going forward. I confess those sins. I got them under the blood. God forgave me and cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And I'm not taking none of your advice. I'm not listening to you. I'm going before. I'm going forward, and the only thing that's going to be behind me is you. And I, I begin to press forward. I cleanse my mind of that stuff. I get my focus back, and I keep going. But the devil will do that. He'll bring things to your memory that uh, have no bearing on where you're going, but just to get you to look back, just to get you to think back, just to get you to think less of yourself and, and stop your forward progress. But the Bible said what we read in the beginning, no man shall be able to stand in your way and block your forward progress. So sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. At least I do. But then he said that uh, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He has a high call and he has high expectations. He's looking for something better than where he's at, and and he's been to some good places. He's been in some good places. He could have camped out in any one of them. Remember the pioneers, the uh, uh, settlers, and the uh, museum keepers? He could have become a settler, and and we wouldn't have uh, two-thirds of the New Testament that we have. He could have been uh, uh, satisfied with where he was at and quit pressing forward. But it wouldn't have helped him and it wouldn't have helped us. It wouldn't have helped the Bible or, or, or anybody's cause. So he forgot those things which were behind, never satisfied with where he was, and kept pushing forward. And that's what we need to do as well. He's, pe- he's pressing towards the things that he recognized he hasn't apprehended yet. And that's why he says, I, I haven't apprehended them yet. I'm not there yet. I realize i got a ways to go, but I keep pressing and I keep pressing. and, and, you know, the things that should be, could be, he sees what's before and spends most of his time reaching forth rather than just maintaining what he has or maintaining the position. You know, uh, I've heard, you know, well-meaning people say, well, you know, you just have to stand your ground. No, you don't. You need to keep moving forward. Don't stand your ground. Take some more ground for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, He still has that pioneer spirit. He's still not willing to settle, and he certainly doesn't want to become a museum keeper just living off the memories of the past and dusting off the memories of the past. And and Jesus told this parable uh, in Mark chapter 4. Everybody knows it, I believe, is the parable of the sower. And uh, he had already told the parable, and he noticed his disciples are scratching their heads and wondering what he was talking about, so he begins to explain it to them. And he says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we know the word is the seed. We know the soil is, the, is man's heart. And so in verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground which is a condition of a heart, the condition of the soil, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. As soon as it starts getting rough, they go, they go back. Verse 18 says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns, they are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now I want you to notice it's not the riches that choke the word. It's uh, it's the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in that choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The word doesn't produce for them. But these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word, accept it or receive it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. So vision comes in the form of a seed. The seed was sown in different types of grounds or soils or hearts, and in three out of four people, Satan was able to take that seed out of their hearts for one of the reasons that we just listed. But in one out of four, Just one out of four, he isn't able to take the seed, and so it produces. But it only produces a hundredfold for about eight people in every hundred. And and I mean, thank God if it produces 60 in another eight and 30 in another eight. But uh, for the word to produce a hundredfold, it only produces that in eight out of every hundred people. So God is always going to speak things into your heart in the form of a seed, in, the, uh, in uh, seeds of vision, and seeds that are uh, to produce things in your future. A vision can be planted in your heart like a seed. It could be something you see. It could be something you read. It could be something that somebody said to you. God could plant a vision or a seed in your heart while you're sleeping, and you just wake up with this desire to do something, and, and so you begin to uh, form a vision and set goals for this vision. But these seeds will come as thoughts, and sometimes they come very uh, quickly or speedily, and sometimes they come very subtly. Uh, sometimes they may come like a flash, just bam, there it is. You don't know where it came from, but you got it in your heart. And, and it usually comes with some degree of excitement or inspiration because if it's a vision from God, it should get you excited. It should give you inspiration. It should give you motivation. And it certainly should give you joy and excitement. Because this is something new. This is a, You're going to progress into something better for your life. Uh, I mean, it's just like you heard that you're going to get a promotion at work. Something that you've always wanted. Along with the promotion is going to come a sizable raise and more benefits. Well, that should excite you. That vision should get... Uh, some motivation and you inspire you get you excited give you some joy because it's something to look forward to and so you begin to get excited about that and you can't wait till you get back to work Monday because that's when they're supposed to make the announcement or whatever Uh, and that's the way it is when you get a vision in your heart it should excite you it should give you joy I mean but here what if I told you it was going to rain in the next 12 hours and we had to harvest a field of grain before it rained or it would be spoiled or ruined. And we had to to harvest that field of grain by hand because the harvester was broke down and we couldn't get the parts before it rained. I mean, that wouldn't be too encouraging, would it? But what if I told you that the grain was gonna feed an orphanage full of children for the next year, and if we didn't get it harvested in time by hand, that those children were going to starve to death. See, if I place that vision in your heart, that could be a pretty strong motivator. That could get you motivated to get that job done. To, uh, and, you know, you would go through that field and all you see is elbows. And you'd be harvesting that wheat and harvesting that grain and, and trying to get it done because you know there's a really good purpose for that. And so you get excited about it because you know you're going to feed an orphanage for a year if you can get the job done in time. So vision is really important. Uh, It could change the way you feel about something. And and it, it can also be a powerful motivator. See, God will sow a seed in your heart because he's trying to take your life to a new level. He's trying to progress you and he's trying to make your life better. And when that seed is sown in your heart and you catch that vision, it should make you excited. It should give you joy. And this is how God always works. It's always seed time and harvest. That's the way the earth works. He sows a seed in your heart, and then it's your job to watch over it, and it's your job to keep the weeds out, and those weeds is fear, doubt, and unbelief. And so it's your job to be careful what you hear, be careful what you see, and and to make sure that You protect that seed and you protect that vision and make it become fruitful. And seed watered will turn into a vision and a vision acted upon will turn into a reality. But you have to possess it on the inside before you will ever possess it or see it on the outside. If you hold it in your heart long enough, you will eventually hold it in your hand. That's just the way the kingdom of God works remember the 12 men that went into the promised land to spy it and see what the promised land was all about and 10 of the twelve when they came back ten of them had a negative report and, and uh, you know we call it a negative report but God called it an evil report so negative reports in God's eyes are evil because it was full of fear and not faith and the two that had faith were Joshua and Caleb the Bible said that Caleb stilled the people because they were all, they were getting all twitterbated and they were getting all worried and worked up and uh, getting into fear and doubt and unbelief and, uh, because of the evil report they just heard from the other 10. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able, not just able, but we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. Yeah, they might be physically, but they don't have God on their side because God said, I'll let no man stand in your way. I'll be with you wherever you go. And that should have been enough. uh, But they were walking by sight. The 10 spies were walking by sight and not by faith. Joshua and Caleb were walking by faith and not by sight. So the 10 faithless spies were able to convince the entire congregation not to trust God uh, and to go and and not go in. And as a result, God caused them to wander in the wilderness for over 40 years until not only the 10 spies died out, but the entire generation that sided with the 10 spies died out. And then God allowed Joshua and Caleb to live and eventually not only go into the promised land, but lead a whole new generation into the promised land. But look at what God said about Caleb. In Numbers 14, 24, he said, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, he didn't have the same spirit. Him and Joshua didn't have the same spirit of fear and doubt and unbelief that the ten had. He said that he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. In other words, he did everything I told him to. He was a doer of the word. And him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. The spirit God was talking about was a spirit of faith. And the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians four thirteen. We having the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith that Joshua had, the same spirit that Caleb had, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. That's the spirit of faith, believing and speaking. And so uh, believing and speaking, in other words, having a vision in your heart, something you really believe in. And then speaking it out of your mouth, that's a spirit of faith. And Caleb and Joshua had it. That's exactly what Joshua and Caleb did. They said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's what they believed in their heart. That's what they spoke in their mouth. And 40 years later, with a whole new generation, they went in and did exactly what they said in their heart. That's a spirit of faith. Get that vision in your heart believe it, begin to speak it until it manifests on the outside. It may take 40 years. I hope it don't, but it took over 40 years for Caleb and Joshua, but they stuck to that confession. They stuck to that faith in their heart and that belief in their heart. That's what got them through 40 years of whining and complaining and mully-grubbing around in in the desert. I mean, that would have drove anybody crazy, but they kept that vision And they kept looking forward. They kept pressing forward and saying, one day, one day, we're going in and possess it. So they believed in their heart that they were able to go in and possess the land. And it was because of vision. They had this vision in their heart of living in that land and enjoying the land that was flowed with milk and honey. It was everything God said it would be. And they maintained that vision for the entire 40 years. Uh, in spite of that faithless generation that they were wandering the desert with. But can you see how powerful a vision can be? Here's something we need to understand about Joshua and Caleb entering the promised land. They entered in because of vision, but here's the thing, the promised land entered into them long before they entered into the promised land. And that's the whole key to that success. That's the whole key of having vision It's got to enter in here and it's got to be in here before you see it manifested out there. So when God sows a seed in your heart, it's not your job to figure out how it's going to produce. Uh, And when you water the seed, watch over it, keep the weeds of fear, doubt, and unbelief uh, unbelief out, and you will see that thing come to pass. You will have the opportunity to cast aside your vision. The devil will give you many opportunities to cast aside your vision, the one that God has sown in your heart. But you can't let him cast it out. You can't let him get it. You have to keep that vision alive. Keep it in your heart. Let it grow. Uh, That's why you have to keep it before you. Like Paul said, keep pressing towards it. Don't look back. Don't settle for your your present time, but keep going forward. And most people give up on their vision because they try to figure out the who, what, when, where, how, and why. That's not your job. God said, go in and possess the land. That's all you needed to hear. You didn't have to know the who, what, when, where, how, and why. All you had to do was obey his word and do it. But that's when Satan can come in and steal the word that was sown in your heart. Because he'll steal your seed and along with it, the vision that God has placed in your heart. You know, when the angel came to Mary, I'm going to go a little bit over. I only wanted to go 30 minutes. I'm going to go a little bit over, but just bear with me a few more minutes. When the angel came to Mary and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. And then the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. I mean, what would happen if an angel popped up in your room? First thing you'd think of is getting into fear. So he says, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I'm a virgin. I never slept with a man. How am I going to have a baby? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the Holy Ghost simply sowed a seed in her heart. He gave her a word. He he planted a seed, and that seed was a vision. But she had to accept it, and she had to trust the word of the Lord. And this is how every vision comes to pass. First of all, it comes as a seed, and then you have to receive it, water it, protect it, keep it before you, and not try to figure out who, what, when, or where, or how about it. And how do I know Mary received it? Because when the angel finished talking with Mary, she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And we know the word is seed. According to the seed that was planted in my heart, be it unto me according to that word. And the angel departed from her. That was all in Luke chapter 1. So she didn't know how it was going to happen. She asked the question only because she, she was a virgin. And, and so she didn't try to figure it out. She didn't try to figure out the who, what, when, where, how, and why. She just received the word, said, be it unto me according to thy word. Uh, Whatever you say, here I am. Use me, Lord. And so she received the word, the seed, and she started expecting. (laughs) It ain't enough just to receive the word. It ain't enough just read this word and say, yes, that's for me. That promise is for me. You not only have to believe it and receive it, but you need to start expecting it. Hallelujah. That's how every vision is brought into reality. Believe, receive, expect. When a farmer goes out in the spring and sows his field, he plants his seed, and uh, he goes back to the barn, and he does other things, but in the back of his mind, he is fully expecting a harvest from that seed. He plants the seed, he believes it's going to take root, he believes it's going to grow, and he expects a harvest in the fall. So the ten faithful spies said, Who, what, when, where, how, and why? Joshua and Caleb said, I don't know the who, what, when, where, how, and why. All I know is what God said. He said, go in and possess the land and we are well able to do it. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know anything else. God said it. I believe it. I receive it. That settles it. I'm going in and I'm going to possess it. I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to defeat these giants. I don't know how I'm going to get around these walled cities or into the walled cities. I don't know how I'm going to get around this mountain. I don't need to know none of that. All I need to know is God told me it was mine. All I had to do was go in and possess it, and that's what I'm going to do. I don't know the who, what, when, where, how, why of your mess. I don't know... I don't know it about my mess. All I know is that God said he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It's not my job to figure out the who, what, when, where, how, and why about that. It's my job to just expect it to happen. He said he's the Lord that heals me. I don't know how. I don't know if he's going to use a doctor. I don't know if he's going to overshadow me while I'm sleeping in my bed. All I need to know is he said that he's my healer, and I just need to be expecting him to heal me. He said he saved my family. He said he'd protect me, that no evil would befall me, neither any plague come down in my dwelling. I don't know how. I don't care how. It's not my job to figure it out or know how. All my job is to do is to believe it, receive it, and expect it to happen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. <laughs> Forty minutes. I'm a little bit over, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word that's come forth, Lord. We thank you because it's your word. It's not my word. I'm just repeating what you said, Lord. I'm just teaching the people what you said in your word. God, I can't do a thing for them. I can't make one promise come to pass. I can't do anything for them, but you can do it all, Lord. And I thank you and praise you, Lord, that you've given us this word. And you don't don't expect us to figure out the who, what, when, where, how, and why about it. But all you expect us to do is believe it, receive it, and begin to expect. And that's what we're going to do starting tonight, Lord. We're going to to read it. We're going to believe it. We're going to receive it. And we're going to begin to expect what it says we could have. So we thank you and we praise you for it, Lord. We ask you to touch each and every one that's out there in our viewing audience tonight. Touch and heal, Lord. Bring about answers to perplexing problems that they haven't been able to solve for years. God, give them wisdom. You said if we lack wisdom, we could ask you and you give it to us. And you won't hold it back, Lord. So someone out there tonight is needed wisdom. God, I pray that you give it to them and and show them how to solve that problem, show them how to get through that circumstance. And above all, God, heal, touch and heal everyone out there that has an ailment. That's one of the devil's biggest weapons is bringing sickness and disease on people. But God says he is the Lord that healed thee. So just believe that, receive it, and begin to expect your health to take a turn for the better. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. We appreciate you. Uh, We'll be on the air this Sunday with a special presentation. It's Father's Day, and we celebrate Father's Day just like we do Mother's Day. We think it's a special day for the fathers, and so we try to celebrate them and encourage them, and we usually give them a little gift or something to show that our appreciation for every father that's out there and uh, we got a special treat this Sunday. Uh, Brother Daryl, Reverend Mercer is going to be bringing the word this Sunday, and uh, you'll enjoy him. I promise you, he he's a different kind of minister. He's a a, a Bible teacher, and he just delivers the word smoothly and uh, with precision and revelation. And I know that you're going to enjoy. It. So look forward to that this Sunday. Uh, we'll try to sneak in a song before the. Uh, preaching of the word, so it might start about 10:45, something like that. But start looking for us about 10:45, and uh, we'll click on as soon as we can. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Be safe. Be careful. And believe God.